So in case you missed it, on the last episode of Brown Coffee, Black Tea, we caught you all up on the most recent lessons we've learned about ourselves. We laughed and cried, but just a little bit. But in the end, we're still counting it all joy. So take a listen and grow through it with us. Stay tuned for episode 15. It is on the way. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of Brown Coffee, Black Tea. It is your girl, Ty. And it's your girl, Sabria, checking in. Today, y'all, we are so excited to have a great friend, a powerful Black woman. The real mother. <laughs> the realist. Okay? <laughs> the realist. Um, yeah. Special guest today, Rachel Checking in on the ones and twos. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey, girl. So, you know, we know who you are. We follow you. We're friends. We know the powerful, powerful stuff that you have to say. But our listeners do not. So tell the listeners who you are. Yeah, okay. Um. So my name is Rachel. I am, uh, I'm, a, I'm in school right now. I'm a student. I... I, I mean, I'm just a person who has a lot of opinions and puts them on the internet. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much, that's pretty much the intro. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so speaking about, speaking on like everything that has been going on the internet, everything that's going on around now, how have you been? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, um, I've taken to when people ask me how I am, I've taken to responding um, with I'm here because I think that it's accurate most of the time, because if I'm being asked, it means I'm somewhere where I was meant to be mm-hmm. or where I was told to be. And I think, um, I'm just really uncomfortable saying things that aren't true. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think that everyone has shares that same level of discomfort. Um, I'm not, I'm not calling everybody liars, but I think like mm-hmm. in, in more like, you know, like frivolous conversations, I think people are more comfortable just like, oh, I'm fine. Like, how are you? Da da da. And like, a lot of the times I'm, I'm not fine. <laughs> so yeah. I've taken to saying like, oh, I'm here or like something good that just happened. So I'll be like, oh, I just had some like really good lunch or something as a response, just so it can be accurate. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm actually, I actually am doing quite well today. Um, but yeah, this is a trying, a trying week for a lot of us, um, a trying season, trying lifetime, trying 400 years, like, you know, whatever you want to go with, but here we are. (laughs) It's actually so, um, interesting that you say that you sort of have this issue with lying and it's, it brings you this discomfort. I think that, that's probably something that has been helpful for us. And now that I just think about like our friendship, like you are always honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like You're never just like, Oh yeah, I'm good. It's like, I'm doing well, but X, Y, and Z, or this is how I'm currently feeling. And I think that it's offered me the space to be like, okay, yeah, I'm actually not doing well. Or like, this is actually what's going on in my life. So one, that's a beautiful thing, because as you mentioned, a lot of people don't do that and are not okay with doing that. 
And we all, to some degree, have just assimilated to this idea that we need to just give these quick answers and, you know, say something that might fit well with the mood and keep a light mood, as opposed to just being honest and actually doing a heart check and saying how we feel. So, so Ty, how have you been? What's been going on? I'm the same. It's the same. It's the same. I mean, similarly to Rachel, I'm just here. I, at this point, am just very overwhelmed with many different facets of my life right now. Mm-hmm. And I cannot mm-hmm. find a very clear space for it all. Like, mm-hmm. I've tried the whole thing. Like, I even told my students this morning because they were like, can you give us some tips on managing your time effectively? And in my head, <laughs> they're like, uh, no. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, I do not have all the answers. Um, I know that y'all would like me to. I know that that's what I'm supposed to be here for. But I also keep it very real with my students because even in the beginning of the semester, I always tell them, listen, I don't know it all. Mm-hmm. But what I don't know, I will find out for you. Yeah. And I will bring it back to our next class. Um, Which is actually the type of professor that we all needed. Yeah. Like, I was just about to say that. Yes. Come on. With this teacher, even, Professor Ty. Listen, I don't even be in here trying to act like I know it all because I know that what I've learned is also limited. I know that I have not seen, you know, every single aspect of public health that I'm supposed to be teaching about, especially because the class is a very intro level class. So, yeah, I am not that professor whatsoever. But they were asking me how to manage time effectively. And I didn't lie to them. I told them what I've been doing. Now, mm-hmm. I just didn't say whether it's been working or not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I told them, I was like, you know, well, for every like important thing in my life, I've kept separate um, to-do lists. So I have like a personal to-do list and then I have a UP to-do list and then I have a DOH to-do list, and then I have a BMCC to-do list. Now, when I first wrote the to-do list out... (laughs) Give us the truth. Give us... (laughs) When I first wrote it out, it felt really good. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, now I can clearly see what I have to do. But it didn't help for long. Like, it was was one of those things where you kind of do it and you feel like a little bit of satisfaction because you you did something which was write out what you needed to do. Yeah. And then... Yeah, it still hasn't really helped me a lot. I still feel very bogged down and overwhelmed. I also think a lot of it is because I'm currently working on a COVID response team um, mm. that is also very unorganized. I can't even call it unorganized because there's a lot going on around COVID in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just, I'll call it chaotic. Organized yeah. chaos, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That just really doesn't fit well with the type of person that I am. The type of like, would you call that a type A person? A person who like <laughs> structure and be organized. Is that a type A person? I would say yeah. Categorized. Okay. That is- people that like structure. This has been a rough six to seven months. Yeah. Like this is not what we ordered. <laughs> this is not. This yeah. is. I'm like a person, and I actually said this to Sabrina the other day. That I am a person who likes structure and but not necessarily routine. So I don't necessarily like a, a daily routine. Every, yeah. I just need like a you need some constraints around your time. Like yes. the, the boundaries to be set. Yeah. But some flow. Yeah. Because if not, even my therapist said the other day, she was like, You don't do well when people back you into a corner. And I said, Absolutely not. 
I do not <laughs> So this yeah. is what I feel like. I feel like my back is against the wall and like at any minute. But enough about me. <laughs> How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. I um also share a lot of the sentiments that you both have described. This past week, I think, was felt a little crazy because I'm also juggling a lot of different activities, um, opportunities, and I'm trying to just figure out how to organize it all and, and balance it in some way. One thing that has definitely come up for me, and I was talking to my dad and aunt because I went out to the farm to go see them. And I had like a mini breakdown in the car. I can't even really call it a breakdown. It was more of just like, I allowed my body to release the emotions that it needed to finally release. That's so good. (laughs) Like I had just been holding it all in. And so talking to my dad on his birthday, actually, you know, I'm like rushing. I had all these plans to get out there early. I'm going to take donuts, whatever, whatever. None of that happened. So I'm calling him like, I'm on the way. And he's like, calm down like it's hard like and I don't even really care about my birthday like it's okay but anyways I realized that I have just been saying yes to so many things and Mm -hmm. even when I know that I don't necessarily have the time to dedicate to them and it's like you know I want to and they're exciting opportunities um and it's also you know a lot of it has been things that I can work on with friends or colleagues that I really connect with, but I just haven't been saying no enough. And so I think that emotional release was really me also acknowledging that like, you got to do better about setting these boundaries professionally as well. I think I talked on the last episode about personal boundaries and how I give and show love, but like, I've been doing a lot. (laughs) I've been doing a lot. (laughs) work and Mm -hmm. it also doesn't help and I think last week I saw that when you feel like you're giving your all and you're you know trying to do things on time and you see other people kind of going at their own pace and that's how the latter half of the week was I had been rushing and stressing and trying to get out these emails and people were really like I'm gonna get to that when I feel like it right so for me I'm just like okay None of this is actually that serious. I can breathe and actually give my myself space and time to um, prioritize what is really necessary. And yeah, just say no, honestly. It's very difficult at times, but I'm working on it. Nonetheless, doing well. It's been fun to be home and in the South. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, I think it has been good overall. Um, it's very white, so I'll just say that. And we were mentioning that to you earlier. We we really didn't realize, I think, um, the climate that exists here in Auburn and Oakland. Right. And part of me also right. just like, did we not realize it or just have we not been here for the amount of time? Because I think part of it is that we haven't been here for the amount of time, but we're also older. You know what I mean? Like, so we yeah. come to like know a little more than we did when we left here nine and ten years ago. Yeah, 
I think it's a combination. It's, Go ahead, Rick. I was just about to say that. Like, it's probably all of the above, right? Like, it's been ma- the better part of a decade mm-hmm. in terms of your own personal development as individuals. The cities have changed mm-hmm. over the time that you've been gone. And also, like, we are in a different climate than we were in a decade ago. Yeah. Just like the socio political climate is just d- different. And you guys also left and were in like very big. Yeah fairly liberal places. Um, and I don't know the political climates of the, um, cities that you're in, but like DC, New York, like that's, those are very specific places, even though, you know, Lord have mercy, DC is the seat of the nation's capital, blah, blah, blah. But like the people that we kick it with in DC are not that. (laughs) Right. That is very true. And thinking back to in high school, like we it was just different it was just different you know in high school everyone talks to everyone you know who you're not going to speak to you know which families actually don't like fuck with black people you know but i think coming back now it's an interesting to have conversations even with people that have lived here you know from high school and are adults now have kids and are still here like ty and i had a conversation with someone recently someone that I went to high school with and she was just saying how like it has been very white to her, but definitely during this time, it's really, mm. she said, you know, a lot of, a lot of people just feel so bold and like they say whatever they want to kids. And yeah, she just said it's, it's gotten really bad um, lately. So also, like, white people just be moving differently down here. Where yeah. were we when, like, this this car, oh, we were in Tiger Town, and this car, like, just rolled through the parking lot. They were white people, just rolled through the parking lot, like, stared us in the face. Oh, yeah. And then, so like, weird. just turned around and, like, left the parking lot. Oh, yeah. we're just out here with intimidation tactics. They just move a little differently down here because there was no reason for that incident to have occurred at all. Yeah. It was, it was very weird. It was weird. I, um, it's funny that you say that because yesterday, so I'm in the suburbs of Philadelphia right now. I'm at my mother's house and I went on a seven ish, a little over seven mile walk yesterday. Wow. And I, that's part of why, like I said, you know, normally I just say, Oh, I'm here, which is a triumphant statement as far as I'm concerned. But right. today I'm like doing well because walking is like, Oh my gosh. It just, I love it. It makes me feel so good. Whatever. Da, da, da. So I went on a really long walk yesterday and I called my mom from part of my walk. And I was like, okay, I made it to the part of the suburbs where I like probably need to turn around because where her house is situated, you know, not that everyone has exactly the same opinion, but it's like a pretty diverse cul-de-sac, um, like little neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, um, I made it to the part of the township where it was like, okay, you are the only black person, even the cars that are driving past, there are like barely any black people in them. And if there are black people in the cars, they're going elsewhere. Like they're not stopping at any of these mm-hmm. houses. Um, there is a lot more flags, um, American flags and also like other flags and those like signs that people have in their yards. I saw a house that had a sign that was like, um, the people who lived here are armed. Mm-hmm. And Honestly, I kind of appreciated that. They're like, I'm putting y'all yeah. on notice that if you try to come in this house, it's going to be a problem yeah. for you. Um, 
but a white guy in a pickup truck honked at me and then waved and I was like, Oh, I gotta go. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is over. I'm turning around. Like you um, saying that we're over here on the other side, like, Ooh. and like what if he was just a white guy in a pickup truck waving? But it's just the thing is, like, he might have been my husband, but <laughs> I can't tell. And so I needed to leave. Just <laughs> like, the connotation because, like, we've seen that. We've experienced that to just be like, eh, I don't know if that was a good hunk or a bad hunk. Like, I don't, I don't know. Or a good wave or a bad wave. Right. Do you want me out? Or, like, a taunting right. wave. Like, yeah, like, is this some, fe- like, I, I, just, I needed to go. Yes. <laughs> and then some other man. He didn't honk, but like we made eye contact and similar thing. I was like, okay, I'm turning around. It's fine. Y'all yeah. got it. Um, and it did not ruin my walk, whatever. And I'm, I'm an adult. So I felt okay. And it was daylight, you know, all of that. My phone mm-hmm. was charged. It was fine. But I think like if I had been, you know, the last time I lived here, I was in high school, similar to what y'all are talking about. And I would, first of all, my mom probably would have been like, don't go over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also I would have been way more uncomfortable. And I'm like, only a couple minutes from my house. You know what I mean? Like seven miles mm-hmm. walking. I was like, you know, twisting and turning through neighborhoods. That's not far from where I live mm-hmm. at all. So it's just interesting. Like, yeah, we, we're living in an interesting time. I guess I think that that's true of every time, to what be honest, true? but we're alive in this one. So that's, yeah, yeah. I keep thinking, and probably this is a thought that crosses my mind every day, just like how this will be documented in history book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, where do you even start? Honestly, people joke and like, oh, it was the chicken sandwich from Popeye's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, where do you even start in talking about this time and all that has happened from politics to police brutality to climate change? Like, yeah, no, there's so much to start. I said the other day to my mom, I'm not about to say it poetically, but after I made the statement that I'm about to make, she was like, well, that sounds like a poem. Um, but I said something along the lines of like, people need their like plastic cup from Amazon to come the next day and like, don't realize that like, that's a hurricane. Mm-hmm. Like the reason part of why we're in these situations, cause we were talking about flooding, mm-hmm. it's all connected. Like it's not just these aren't separate issues, right? So like mass corporation commercialization of things, like we need our package to show up at our doorstep three hours after we order it. Like islands are underwater and hurricanes are happening in places. Hurricanes never happened before. And like list goes on and on and on. And I think there's a lack of public awareness that these are not disparate issues. They're the same. They're the same yeah. issue. It's interesting that you say that because me and Sabrina have been having a lot of conversation around like how there's a disconnect with people in terms of how like we can see the inequities in our own cultures and the inequities that are happening mm-hmm. against us. But it is so hard for us to connect those things to everything that happens around the world whether that is environment and whether it is a a different marginalized group. Um, I think sometimes people tend to forget how these things are connected. Mm -hmm. So, and and I was talking to my students about this too, because we're still kind of in the very beginning stages of like what public health looks like, what health disparities look like, how are these things connected to education? How are these things connected to gender identity and so on and so forth? 
And so that's just been very interesting to me that we run across people who who haven't been able to connect these things and don't. And even when you try to explain it to them, they don't necessarily see how the things fit together. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's super interesting. I've been doing a lot of um, like reading and, and learning about this like anti-intellectualism is a specific field and it's not really what I'm about to say, but it's essentially like people have this like stigma about knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, Oh, you're just like being hoity toity Mm -hmm. with your degree. And it's like, actually this has, I didn't learn any of any of the things that I talk about the most. I didn't learn any of them in school. Um, but it's like, well, you're just like trying to be fancy. And it's like, no, like I actually know plenty of people who are brilliant and know so much and not from a formal education but there's this like american ethos that we're known for around the world of like not wanting to acknowledge the true thing um and it's not because the rest of the world is like all went to oxford like that's that's not how this disconnect (laughs) happened um but i think it must be wrapped up in this like american individualism Mm -hmm. like i'm the best type Mm -hmm. feeling that is really i think quite quite dangerous and and I've been sort of grappling with the way that we that the internet is enabling me and and a bunch of my peers to sort of like figure out to your point Ty like what is going on in other parts of the world like how how are we connected like what does that ecosystem look like because although there have been trying times in the past this is you know the the way that globalization is is working like we are more connected now than we ever have been and instagram and i don't have a twitter because i know i would have twitter (laughs) fingers and so i made the decision not to have a twitter it was intentional um but i you know tweets make their way to instagram so i see them sometimes that way and i'm very active in my instagram stories um and i know i learned so much from that space and i always wonder like I end up contextualizing the news a lot for my mom. And I want to know, like, can we get boomers and older people getting their news sources in a different way? Because the contextualization that I provided for my mom around the California wildfires, I happened to hear what was being said on CNN or MSNBC. And it just was not the whole story. And I felt like it was unethical journalism, quite frankly, because to mention the fires and not to mention the way that the fires started, which is by making native indigenous practices illegal when they already knew what they were doing with the land and here America comes snatching it, banishing their practices. Meanwhile, they knew what to do to be good stewards of the land. And then the people fighting the fires are inmates. So it's Mm -hmm. essentially slave labor. So to tell that, to tell the story of the fire and to not to tell the stories of those two groups of people, to me, doesn't seem like the truth, right? And so I already mentioned like my fixation mm-hmm. on the truth. And I just think that that's not the whole story. So people, my family members included, will watch the news yeah. for three hours and then think that they're informed and still not be informed. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's yeah. scarier than someone who doesn't yeah. watch the news. Because if you think you're informed and then you're not informed, that's really yeah. dangerous. Um, and I just think I started becoming vocal on my Instagram stories sort of at the beginning of the pandemic, more, I guess, more around after they murdered yeah. George Floyd, because I started getting DMs from people and I realized people were reading my yeah. Instagram stories. So 
I got DMs from people who I didn't, had not spoken to and do not speak to on a regular basis about the education that they were receiving from Mm -hmm. my Instagram. And I realized that there was an audience there that I did not know was there. Um, and I know that I get a lot of my insight and, you know, you have to have some discernment about what's true, but a lot of my insight from other people's Mm -hmm. Instagram stories. And I, if, and I realized that that's what my story was. And so that's why I put my opinions on the internet. (laughs) It's because I realized that there were people who weren't getting it anywhere else. And if I could synthesize it and put it there, I was like, okay, here's like trying to do what you said, Ty, of like, what is this context? What is the globalization? Like, what does this mean? How can I, in my little like world, be better for the people that are around me and be better for this part of the world that I'm meant to shepherd and steward? Like, what does that look like? And what are those conversations? Yeah. Um, I'm rambling at this point, but that's why I put my opinions on that. <laughs> So it's interesting that you say that about like boomers and, you know, the older generation is because my grandma has this thing of like, people should just listen to the experts saying that like based Mm -hmm. off of what she hears from the news. And so I can't even remember what we were talking about the other day, but similarly to what you were doing, I was providing extra context to my grandmother of like, no, like this also was happening. Mm -hmm. This is some background information for what's being shared on the news. And so they don't these quote unquote experts, I'm not going to say that they don't know what they're talking about. It is just not the be all. It's not the full picture. Yeah. Not the be all of like any given Mm -hmm. situation. And I think it's like, as you talk about, you know, how do we, how are we able to offer this more, I guess, contextualized view of the world to our parents and grandparents and just older generations. And like, we have to go into it with this understanding that there are barriers that have to be broken down when approaching them. And also understanding that this sort of uh, information that is readily available to us now just wasn't for them. You know, the new sources that they were listening to, the radio stations that they were listening to might've offered something that happened across the water but it wasn't necessarily connected to your present situation, your town, your city. You know, that wasn't really how that wasn't really how the news was presented then. And so it's like breaking down down the barrier of one like, OK, everything you're getting and everything you're telling me is not necessarily fact. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Right. But it's just understanding that this source may not be as credible as you may have thought or as it may have once been, quote unquote. I think that's like really like say that again, like as it may have once been, I think is huge because like the way that corporatization and like the way that capitalism impacts, like in order to have whatever, like Good Morning America, like ABC as a network has to be profitable. And so when we start talking about profit as it relates to truth telling and news sources, like there is a direct impact. There's an excellent episode of Patriot Act with Hassan Minhaj. Um, and he talks about Mm -hmm. local news and it's uh, infuriating, but also super, super informative, um, about the ways that like, just it's all interconnected and and finance plays a role in it in a way that I had never Mm -hmm. even heard of before. And that that speaks to the accuracy of the information that you're gathering. And, and also, um, 
the, the point around getting it from the expert. And it depends on like, who's the expert, right? Like, is the expert, um, the person in the neighborhood is the expert, the inmate is the expert, um, like the person in Lebanon right after the explosion or is the expert someone who is, you know, has a criminal justice degree, but has no personal contact with the system. Right. That's all. Ooh, man, 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 man. There are so many things here. So many things here. Cause that is a great point. Just in like, who, who is the expert when we are talking about news and we, when we are talking about situations and something that is connected, but it's all connected. Let me just say it's all connected. There is this, um, school basically in New York. It's like Bard. I'm forgetting the actual name. Basically connected to Columbia in some way. They're professors at Columbia University that teach at um, this school. And the whole program is the Bard Prison Initiative. So essentially, those that have Mm -hmm. been incarcerated um, have an opportunity to take public health classes and actually earn a degree to then go on once they are released um, and in hopes that they are released, they're able to go on to pursue more schooling, to actually um, reintegrate into society, you know, to live full lives. Um, that's really the goal. But you talking about like, who is the expert and who who are we getting this information from? One of the quotes at um, one of their graduations in the past was about how Oftentimes we view certain people in our community as the leaders and not everyone. And so the person speaking said, you know, we have to begin viewing those that have been incarcerated as part of the solution, as solution makers, as storytellers, as credible sources of information, um, as it relates to the world around us, the world that we live in. Um, and so I just think that that is a really interesting thing because, you know, when we think about our parents and we think about our grandparents and those that we know, I think the, the expert is one person or it is very limited. It's very specific. And there's not always this lens that allows others to be present and allows others to be, um, a part of those conversations or allows others to really offer knowledgeable and credible advice to these situations that they may be looking into. So many thoughts, but um I think it is interesting. I think about my own Instagram page as well. Like who am I treating as the expert or the key storyteller or the key person to provide me with my news. And so I've been trying to sort of expand to include more global resources. So I actually know, you know, what is happening um, in other countries, how is this, um, you know, comparable to what's happening in the, in the United States? Because so many things, when you actually start to look at it, mirror each other, as we know. I think the idea that you are being intentional about your Instagram following, I think it's something that like, I don't know, probably my parents and my aunts and uncles and stuff would probably like laugh because they don't have the same, well, my mom, my mama got an Instagram (laughs) during quarantine y'all, but, um, she, she like doesn't use it my aunt peer pressured her into getting one I think because she was like you need to come like my plant photos <laughs> and so now she has an Instagram um but you know it's not 
their um, understanding of Instagram is different the same way that quite frankly, my understanding of like TikTok is not the same understanding that a 17 year old has of TikTok. Um, just because of my lived experiences and access and all of that. And so I think my, I know that there are people in my family who think that I'm uninformed because when they say such and such is going to be on the news at whatever time, it's very clear that I'm not watching. (laughs) Um, or when conversations around like Mm -hmm. traditional news sources come up and it's like, I don't read, like, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't read the paper. I do, I do read a lot of news articles, but I don't watch MSNBC. I don't watch CNN. I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch, I don't watch any of it. I occasionally see a clip on the internet, but Instagram is my main news source. And I think that that's because of what you said. I can get a level of breadth and a level of, um, information from on the ground that you cannot get at major news sources that I think is important because to me, like the most, uh, there are some things that like, okay, you probably do need a science degree to tell me about like COVID. I don't need to hear about COVID from a person who had COVID. I need to hear about it from a doctor. I should like, I think that personal perspectives are important in terms of giving people context, but as far as like, who's going to tell me how I should act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of want you to have studied that, but for a lot of the things that are going on, it's like, I would like to hear it from the person closest to the pain. And so, like you said, internationally, like closest to the pain, like wherever that is, that's who I want to hear it from. And I have multiple Instagram accounts, like some Finstas and stuff um, for for following different things (laughs) because social media can also be very like, you know, mentally draining. So I have one account that doesn't really have anything heavy on it. So I can go on there and mindlessly scroll and not be worried about being like assaulted mm-hmm. or offended from the internet. Um, and that's on purpose, you know, uh, especially a couple of years, months ago when Instagram had that, like introduced the autoplay feature oh, for the first time. For videos. Yeah. And yeah, that was like jarring because people were posting, I think, I don't know, some footage mm-hmm. that I really did not, did not want to see. So, and I think you also have to know the way that you consume stuff because I do not like to hear or see, uh, Mm -hmm. bad things. Mm -hmm. I want to read them. TV news really does not work well, does not work well for me. Um, and like in terms of my taking care of my mental health. So I think that also plays a part into it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess we've turned this into like, uh, an Instagram news discussion, but I'm comfortable with that. So wherever yeah, no, y'all want to go. I think that like, it's interesting because we've been able to see just how beneficial social media and Instagram specifically can be during this pandemic. And especially with everything happening to the black community. Um, I think that that has been like the really rewarding part about it like we are able to go and find the page of the sister of someone who was killed we're able to see um you know groups on the grounds like who are really in the nitty-gritty of activism we're able to follow the protests happening in other cities we're able to actually find information about bail funds and send them, you know, readily through Cash App and Venmo, like all of these things. So I think that that has been really interesting um, and really just like 
I don't know if in ways and maybe cool is not the right word to use, but it's like kind of exciting in a way to be alive during this time to witness some of the things we're witnessing and just be a part of the movement. But again, heavy and crazy. I think that, you know, there have been some very interesting topics that have come up in the past few weeks. Um, Of course, the injustice that continues to run rampant in the United States, um, especially as it relates to Black individuals, especially as it relates to Black women. Um, Last week, we received news that no one had been charged for the murder of Breonna Taylor. And I will say that was really heavy for me personally. And I think it took a while for it to actually set in for me to actually register the trauma um, and the pain associated with that news and just her death. Um, also been having lots of conversations about the ways in which Black men have been showing up for Black women, um, and not just now, but just sort of this pattern over the years of what that's looked like. So, um, (laughs) but I know one thing that I had been really paying attention to last week was your Instagram. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up that people have DM'd you and really sort of turn to you for advice, for credible information. So let's just go ahead and jump into your DMs and hear more about what's been going on. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what people are saying. Sure. So, okay. So I guess I think that um, it seems like this is being cleared up on the internet, but just for anyone who's listening, who, who is not clear, the grand jury indictment came back that one of the officers who was involved in the murder, cause they call it like shooting death. I'm like, no, y'all killed her. Um, was charged with wanton endangerment, which means that he was charged with essentially sh- like stray bullets into a yeah. wall because they could have hurt her neighbors. So, um, and I have basically cataloged that under like the drywall mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. he got in trouble for shooting. That is horrifying in ways that. I don't honestly know if the English language has the proper terms to cat, like to categorize how terrible and terrifying that is. Um, it's also quite frankly, not unexpected or really, um, new information insofar as like how America feels about us. It's just cataloged, but that's, you know, and that has, that's not to trivialize what happened in this particular instance, but just to talk about the system in general, right? So that's the case. And since, um, Brianna Taylor was murdered and since, uh, this week we got that news, there has been a lot of, you know, Instagram popping out, Instagram hashtags, t-shirts, pages, whatever the case may be, posts mm-hmm. of saying like protect black women. And, there's nothing at face value wrong with that, right? Like, yeah, we should, you know, d- definitely do that. Like, cool. And also no one should be in danger. So protect whoever, right? Like, and I'm not, you know, I'm not about to go on an all lives matter train. I'm just saying like, of course we should be protecting one another. Like that does not seem radical. And that does not seem like it, like it could have any issues. 
However, what I noticed is that a lot of people saying that are people who I personally mm-hmm. know have caused harm to other people mm-hmm. who are black women in this specific case or who have caused harm to me, mm-hmm. a black woman in this specific case. So it's like, okay, that's cute. But I also know yeah. that like, you don't live your life like that to be like rah, rah, posting about it online. And it's true that people's lives online and people's lives offline are not always exact mirrors, like mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Those are just snippets. But I just felt like people were getting just too many specifically in this instance, black men that I know were, and whose Instagrams I follow were just getting very like 10 toes mm-hmm. in this protect black women thing. When I know that most of the time, like, in most of our lives, they are more of a present danger to us than the cops are, just to be honest, because most of my peers yeah. spend more time around black men than they do around the police. Um, and I know that's not true for everyone because there are people who live in places that are heavily policed all the time. But I'm yeah. talking about like, oh, we're at a kickback, like, oh, we're out to dinner, like that kind of thing. Um, so... I just felt the need to clarify for people that protecting black women does not just mean in that situation um, with the police. And to be fair, like in that situation, the black women in Breonna Taylor's life did what they were supposed to do. But it, there's so many other ways that not just black men, but people need to be protecting black women and, and to just not be the ones causing the harm too, right? So it's one thing to be protecting someone. And then it's another thing to not be the one perpetrating the harm. And I think in so many cases, the people who are saying this are perpetrators of harm. And that is what my DMs reflected because I posted about just being conscious and interrogating the ways in which you might be causing harm or not stepping up in the ways that you can, whether that be talking over someone at work, taking their idea, spinning it as your own, um, like not calling out your friends when they're doing something that is harmful, not checking yourself when what you're doing is, is harmful, perhaps in terms of, um, like yeah. coming on to somebody, sexual assault, things of that nature. Um, getting away with stuff in your family that you know, um, you're yeah. the black woman in your family get berated for doing and you're just la la la, whatever. There's so many levels to it. And people came pouring, <laughs> jumping, sliding into my DMs. Um, mostly black women being just like agreeing with me just sharing their frustrations. Um, and then a lot of people just reposting, (laughs) reposting it. Um, and some black men too, being like, thank you for just like putting this out here. And, and, and people of, of other ethnic backgrounds as well, because the things I said weren't just specific to, to black men. Um, and I think that, I mean, I think that it's a good thing that people are recognizing that that's an issue. I think it's really unfortunate the amount of people who were in my inbox having like co-signing with me. But part of why I said it is because I knew it was not a particular issue to my experience as a black woman. I knew that it was something that a lot of other people were also feeling and were perhaps feeling a little bit gaslit, quite frankly, by the amount of people saying protect yeah. black women and quoting Malcolm X who yeah. had hurt them. I'm just going to jump into this too. Because something else that came up right after this was the whole Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> um, Girl. And wow, there's so much that I feel about that. Um, I was talking to my students today about something called confirmation bias. You know, that is basically when you look for everything <laughs> to confirm your belief or, you know, you, you don't pay attention to the whole story. 
And it's just so funny to me that like when it happened, everyone was like, you know, oh, poor Megan, like, you know, can't believe that, you know, Tory Lanez is canceled, blah, 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 blah. And then yesterday, everybody's like, oh, I don't know, man. You know, he came out and he said, you know, this, this, that, and the third. And now I don't know if I believe it because, mm-hmm. and, and it seems like they were just waiting for something to confirm that this black woman was lying. Mm-hmm. And it's just so crazy to me that we are still in a place of like, we have people saying, we have, especially we have black men saying protect black women, but then they listening to the whole Tory Lanez album, like, I ain't gonna hold you, but this shit ride. Like, does it really though? No, this shit ride though. <laughs> Tory Lanez really was never hitting like that. No shades of fans. But like, it wasn't really hitting like that. <laughs> Is it just hitting now again? Because it's confirming what you wanted to say in the beginning. And I also just don't know, like, why it is so hard for people to, well, I was about to say, I don't know why it is so hard for people to believe in Black women, but also, I am definitely a person that usually when people project these things outwardly is because they have experienced some stuff that they have yet to work through. Mm -hmm. Because I'm also just like, would you believe your mom if somebody came, if if your mom came home and was like, you know, yo, this dude shot me. You know what I mean? Would you believe your mom? No questions asked, you would believe your mom. No questions asked, you would believe your sister, your cousin, or whoever's close to you. And so it's, I also think that sometimes it's issues that people have within their own lives with their own mothers and their own, you know, Black women figures, you know, maybe maybe they may have seen differently in their own idea of what a black woman was. And so they assume that all black women do this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what it is, but I would really like to understand what it is about black women that make it seem like we are liars or we are the aggressor or we are not telling the truth when wrong has been done to us. But I, I also think mm-hmm. that there's a, a level of just like massage noir, right like playing into this because I personally have had plenty of tumultuous relationships um, or tumultuous experiences Mm -hmm. in my relationships with black men, with the black men in my life. And that never um, played, that never impacted my ability to believe a stranger when he said something inappropriate had happened to him. And so, I mean, I do think that there is this, that there is this like level of just like compassion and resilience that Mm -hmm. black women are like taught to have or forced to have. Um, but that I also think that it's true that we all grew up here or the people who grew up here, we all grew up in a place that is patriarchal, anti-black etc 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 homophobic transphobic so even if you are any of those things there's still a level at which that operates within you by virtue of you being raised here and i've been looking and learning a lot about decolonizing just my own mindset because some of that like you've seen women on the internet not necessarily in regards to this situation but who are saying things that are just like straight up oh you really hate women but it's a woman saying it but it's like, yeah, but she was raised here in this patriarchy and learned things here that inform that. And so I think similarly, even though these are black men that we're talking about in this specific case, 
they were raised here in an anti-black society that hates women. So <laughs> to not hate women in a society that hates women and to not hate black people in a society that's anti-black um, is something that has to be taught to you. Because if you just come in here mm -hmm. as a neutral party, that's how you're going to end up. Even if you are black, even if you are a woman, even if you are queer, like that's what that there's so much unlearning to be done mm -hmm. there. And it has to be done in an, in an active sense. Um, I mean, it, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's scary. I think that like Ty, what you said, I think is you're extending a lot more grace than I think <laughs> I have capacity to extend right now. So I applaud. It you. has <laughs> definitely been interesting to also see friends and people that have spoken out on other topics so passionately and have quickly come to the defense of other people speak in a way about the situation that is just like, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like completely, I don't know. I guess I expected more. Ty and I were having a conversation about a couple of people on Facebook and just like the types of things that they said about the Tory Lanes and Megan situation. And there is this disconnect with this idea that like, oh, I'm talking about the situation, but I'm not taking a side or, you know, I'm not really voicing my opinion. I'm just giving an overview. But no, it's like a lot of times when things are said, you are choosing a side, whether you like, whether you want to or not, like the claims that you make, Absolutely. if you're not literally saying what someone else said verbatim, you're, you're, it's yours. It's your, it's your thoughts. It's your opinions. So that's been really surprising. Um, but I think just the idea of like protecting black women, you know, going back to your point about Instagram and sort of listing the different ways in which black men can protect black women, the other ways it looks, um, is so helpful because we have all grown up in this society and black men have grown up to think that protecting women means if a guy is trying to come at her and fight her, I'm going to jump in. Or, you know, if I see someone in the street, maybe, and someone's going off, I might say something. But they're not really seeing that, okay, well, protecting black women does mean changing the rhetoric that I use. It does mean like, maybe changing some of the pages that I follow on Instagram. You know, it does mean also holding other Black men accountable because I think that is a big thing. Thinking back to high school and through college, there are so many times when guys will be like, oh yeah, like my homeboy so-and-so did something, but like, you know, I don't do that. I'm not that way. But it's like, did you check them? Right. Like you, you don't want to be connected to situations that may have happened right. you don't want to be connected to conversations that may have taken place but did you check them though <laughs> like I was just gonna say I think it's so interesting like there's I don't remember who said it first but you know everything on the internet ends up getting recycled to a certain extent but someone was basically saying mm -hmm. in a lot of situations where we're dealing with sexual assault and sexual harassment a lot of times people don't like to call it what it is because if yeah, they yeah. call it what it is externally, they have to acknowledge that they also do it. Um, and I think that that is so poignant and so true in, in a number of circumstances, not just ones where you're dealing with sexual assault or sexual harassment, but I think that there is a level of like, well, that's his business or like, you know, it's not me. 
Um, or like, well, she didn't leave and it's like, okay, but there are so many layers involved. Um, like Mm -hmm. I have friends who have recounted stories for me of them being raped and I know exactly why, why the story that they told specifically went down the way it went down because of so many things that if you just said this story to a man, they would probably say, well, it sounds like she was down and it's like, she wasn't though. She just is tiny like, and physically threatened by the person. And they didn't have to say something explicitly threatening for her to be threatened. I have like, and and I've had, and that's, I'm not, I'm not speaking to a specific person's story right now. That's how many times I've heard that kind of story. That's how many times I've been in a situation like that, where it's like, okay, well, and, and again, maybe it's not all the way to to rape but this is all this is a sliding scale of problems right like it's not it's not a binary it's not like oh well if you do one thing it's bad but all the other things are okay it's like no there's that's like the tip of the iceberg there's so much going on here um and i think to i i i started to think about this after we spoke about about chatting about this one time in college i was at a club and I was there with a bunch of people, a lot of people from surrounding universities and from my university. So I knew a lot of people that were in the environment. And I was talking to this guy that I like, wasn't sure if I had a crush on him or not. I was still trying to decide. And Mm -hmm. he was being aggressive in a way that I knew I did not like. It was him, me, and a third guy who I'm still friends with, who Mm -hmm. I was like, are you not going to step in? Like, are you not going to do anything? And he just stood there and was like, nah, you got it. Like something like just, and I could tell there was some weird, like bro code thing happening, but I was like, but I don't feel safe. And y'all are both over six feet. So you're standing right here. You're not like, what? Like I, I, I could tell there was like some Mm -hmm. code thing I was missing, but I'm also just like reflecting on it now. Like who cares? You know what I mean? Like if I'm, I had enough, like, confidence to say with my words out loud like you're not going to do anything and you still didn't do anything if that's not a signal that someone needs you to step in I don't know what is and then also to think about the ways that that impacts black women right because I still talk to that guy afterwards like I I can recount Mm -hmm. from my experiences with that one man so much like trauma and so many ways that I excused it I recounted part of it on the phone in like in real time, like while I was still talking to him or while I was still deciding if I liked him to one of my friends who happens to be white. And she was like, Rachel, what? Like, why, why are we still like, of course you shouldn't date him. Like you shouldn't speak to him. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, and I think that that also speaks to the ways that like, yeah, there's this intersection right between race and gender that play here because it was so clear to her in a way that it was not clear to any of my black female Mm. friends who I spoke to him about that this was bad because of what we're like, at least Mm. in that particular group of people in that particular time, because of what we were socialized and like the way that we're socialized to understand like, Oh, this level of aggression means that they like me. (laughs) And it's like, does, is it, is that what that means? Like, um, and so many ways that that, like, I just, I say that to say it all compounds and it all impacts then how we interact with one another, because there's also right a separate conversation than the one that we're having right now, which is like the ways in which 
um, we protect black men and can be there for them and sometimes mm-hmm. drop the ball, the ways in which uh, cis people yeah. drop the ball for trans people and the way that cis people drop the ball for non-binary people. Like there, there are yeah. multiple levels to this conversation that are all important to have. But again, like the reason we're on this level right now is because of how many people were specifically talking about protecting black women who I know in real life could name all the scenarios in which they either didn't protect them or were the ones causing the damage or like the story I just told, we're doing a combination of the two, like out of the two men that were in that scenario, one of them was like, okay, actively doing something that it was clear I didn't like that he thought was flirting, but it wasn't. And the other one of them was facilitating it happening. All of the, all of the nuances and, and all of the things that, um, that exist beyond that realm like, I don't know if you all have experiences with maybe family members where it's like your male cousins or your brothers or whatever can do X, Y, or Z number of things <laughs> that someone will cut their eyes at I've you. I've definitely even tried heard or had friends who have definitely said that yeah. when it comes to their brothers, older or younger, really doesn't matter. That same thing like, oh, yeah, he can go out. He can stay out as long as he wants to, but you can't. Or, you know, oh, it's OK if he dates and he does X, Y, and Z, but you can't. And then it, I, I think even for them and thinking about some of the friends I do have that have said that, it still impacts them today. Like, as you talked about, um, you know, your experiences in college, like those scenarios and those situations still impact them today and still inform how they interact with Black men and the partners that they choose and everything. <laughs> and I think that that is the thing that, has to be understood across the board especially when we're talking to black men it's like an instant that you an instance that you may think is just this one time oh it happened years ago you know that's done with may stay in the mind of a woman for the rest of their lives yes no that part literally say it again because i'm sure that the two men i'm talking about if I said this to them, they would be like, what on earth are you talking about? That did not happen. See? I have no idea. And, and I, can I can think tell about you what situations, I was even if they were, I don't know, like, even if it was like a comment that was made, I can remember situations in which I was present for something and someone said something that was just out the way. They probably would not remember it to this day. But that's something that stays with me or stays with them or like friends that have had boyfriends and they've received like verbal abuse. Like those things stick with you. And so, and and it's so interesting because it's like a lot of times when Black women are speaking about these situations or airing their frustration, they immediately receive this, oh, they're crazy or they're just angry or they just hate Black men or whatever, whatever. And it's like, no, honestly, like if no one loves a Black man, it's Black women. If no one else has black men it's literally black women but us asking you to hold yourself selves accountable wanting from us to hold you accountable doesn't mean we love you any less it doesn't mean we care any less in fact that means we love you more because we want you to be better because we want you to reach this full potential and we want to be treated like you actually care like i just i don't know I don't know. I think it creates this like everlasting cycle of us like 
wanting to hold you accountable, wanting mm-hmm. you to like live at your full potential. But then we also know the dangers of you being at your full potential. Potential. So then we are in protection mode again. Mm-hmm. And so we protect you from all these things, but we should also be holding you accountable. Mm-hmm. And it's this whole cycle. And it's just like, okay, we're doing this for you, but where's the protection for us? And where is your role in this? Yeah. Where is your role? What role are you playing in all of this? Yeah. And, and I think too, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned like, okay, we're holding you, we're like the, the desire for accountability is because of like this shared community or this shared, like, because we care about you, right? Like, and I think that was sort of my thought process in terms of like, it, it wasn't just black men who I saw posting about protecting black women, although it was, you know, a, a lot of them, but the idea that like, what I was saying was not directed mm-hmm. to the general public, right? Like it was directed to the people who said they wanted to protect us. And so whether that be like, there were some, there were some white guys in my DMs too, like, but who I know like generally care about social justice and racial justice and maybe don't have, like maybe have not implemented it into the fullest extent of their lives in the way that they can. Um, but are like, are, are wanting to, right. And like, so it's like, okay, we're in some type of shared community um Mm -hmm. where you think that it's important that I am protected but here are the ways Mm -hmm. that in your individual life you probably are not fulfilling that thing that you think is important um and that there's yeah like if if this is a community that we're going to share whether it be because of our our race because of the things that we care like the causes that we care about because of the better world that we know we can all have like there needs to be some level of okay calling in to figure out like how are we being like how are we modeling this future world that we want how are we modeling that now for each other now so that we can get there so that that's something that we don't so that that's something that our kids and the right. people in the generations below us don't have to unlearn because they never learned it in the first place um and i just like I, I want that, you know, and I don't, I don't expect that to happen tomorrow. Like, uh, you know, I've lived long enough. I'm not quite that naive, but I also hold that at the same time as the whole like slow and steady progress thing. I'm like, no, like yeah. I know everything can't happen immediately, but let's, let's try, like, let's pretend like it can, because I also think like slow and steady is like a neoliberal excuse for yeah. nothing to change. And I'm not interested in that. So I think there's this balance and I, and I think the dialogue is so important. And I think that like, I know that there are people who want to do better and who can do better and don't know how, or don't know that what they were doing was not good enough. Um, and so on the one hand, it's like not our responsibility to tell them, but on the other hand, if you're in a position where you have the capacity to do it, then when, whenever that comes, whenever that capacity comes, that's when you do it. And I, I think like, I tend to say like, I'm not in the business of educating mm-hmm. white folks about racism. That's not my ministry is something that I say all the time. Um, however, if I'm in a one-off conversation yeah. with someone and I feel like I have capacity in that day to have the conversation, I'll have it. I, so I think people need to be, you know, aware of their own capacity in that way. I find myself a lot more often having the capacity to have conversations with black men around um homophobia and transphobia mm-hmm. and like 
massage noir and things of that nature because I feel like I'm more of a reputable source in those conversations than I am convincing white people that black people are human because I'm not a reputable source in that discussion. Um, so I think people, the dialogues are so important and like becoming aware of the issues and doing the work though, right? Like I, you can't repeat yourself 10 times and the person doesn't try, you know? So for me, that's why I like Instagram because I don't have to repeat myself. I say it once, whoever reads it and feels it, feels it. And I move on with the rest of my day. I'm not like in an ongoing dialogue, although my life often feels like that. Um, because the very same, like in the, I posted that about protecting black women and the way that that in, involves our emotions and our, um, like the amount of emotional labor we do for other people and just the realities that we live in. And the very next day, or maybe even the same day, I don't know, the days are blurring. I got a request from a black man to do something for him. And he said nothing about all that was going on about the lack of indictment, nothing, (laughs) just like, okay, does that feel sensitive to you? Like, does that feel appropriate and it's just to like you? For some like, people, why would, why would you, the why awareness would you do that? is just not there because they are very used to just, I can ask and Black women will give. You know, I think that I've definitely talked to people or liked people that have very much been that way. But I think that it's important for us as Black women to also realize, because I've seen this quote, like Black women are are saving the world again, are going to be the ones to save the world. If we save the world, we can do it on our own time. Like there is no more breaking our necks and breaking our backs and stressing out trying to do this work because it is taxing. And our emotional health, our mental health is always put on the line and put at stake when we are trying to do these things. And so, I don't know, that's something that I like I'm trying to keep in mind and like, honestly, just wish for all of my friends that are black women to just, as you said, like, if you have the space, if you have the time, if you want to offer that advice or give to certain conversations, do it. But if you don't, then don't like, and that's just it. It's not on us. It's not just our responsibility to change and to create this change that we want to see, period. Like, absolutely. And I think the, like the, I think what I have come to learn, I had a conversation with one of my homegirls a couple of days ago, cause she was really upset yeah. by the amount of black men that reached like the lack of people reaching out to her, um, given the news of this week. And she was like, really, because I hit up mad of them after yeah. the George Floyd video surfaced. And she was like, and literally none of them have said anything to me but I've already been hit up four times for emotional and intellectual labor. And she was specifically talking about the black men in her life. And it's, and she asked for, she did a poll. She was like, okay, how many black women have heard from black men? And like I said, I've been directing my messaging about black women to literally anybody who wants to help me. I don't care what, what your identity is because this has to change. But in that specific instance, I was like, I have not heard from any of them um, in regards to her poll. But I also told her, I was like, I, remember junior year of college when it hit me that like as a collective they do not care and that is potentially um cynical however I think it's just I think it's just I think I'm just a realist and I think that reality is just a little bit darker than a lot of people want it to be 
However, that doesn't mean that I don't care about black men as a whole. And that doesn't mean that there aren't individual black men that care, right? Like I'm not trying to cast like a huge blanket controversial statement. I'm just saying like on average in general, in the circles that I travel in the impact that in what we see in society. Right. And so I remember I had gone to a protest. I lost my voice screaming, shouting about some horrible thing that had happened. And it just hit me because of some scenario that happened on campus. And I was like, okay, cool. They're for everybody. I'm going to lean in with black women and with the people who specifically, um, put themselves in a position where I know that they are part of my internal community. And, uh, that's what I do now. So like when anything like this happens, it's always black women, black femmes, black non-binary people, um, who I find the most community in and who I find we check in with one another. And it does, it's not always like, okay, a verdict came down and then we immediately start talking about the verdict, but it's just like, Hey sis, like what's going on with you? Like I found this new brand of wine that I like just something where it's, we, where we all know why we're talking, you know what I mean? Even if we're not talking about the issue at hand, <laughs> I said that to my friend and she was like, well, girl, why you didn't tell me six years ago? Have me out here looking dumb. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that, you know, it depends on what everyone's particular village looks like, right? Like systems and individual villages are not the same. And I just know that y'all ride for me. Like I just, I know that I can, there's a bunch of black women in my phone who I know if I'm like, okay, this is going awful. (laughs) Who I know I can hit up and who I, and who I know will hit me up and have done so and support one another. And so I, I want more people to, to hold space for us in that way. But I also know if, Ain't nobody else going to hold space for us. We're going to hold space for us. And I'm so grateful for that. Like I say all the time, like I think that the best (laughs) thing that ever happened to me was being born a black woman. Like it's, I'm, you know, like, oh, I'm so, I'm so grateful. Like our legacy, like is just so sturdy. Like I I just don't know what to say. And so many people's liberation is tied up in our liberation and in the work that we've done um, as black women. And when I say black women, to be clear, like I'm talking about black trans women and black cis women. Um, and I just know that like so much of the work that has been done in this country and in other countries where there is a presence of the black diaspora is in direct relation to the work and the love and the fight <laughs> and the power that we have. And I'm just glad so, to be in the number, really. Rounding this thing off, we have talked about a lot. Um, but something that we always do towards the end of all of our episodes is set intentions. So going forward for today, for tomorrow, if you want to set one for just the week, the month, the year, for the rest of your life, what intention uh, would you set? Um, okay, let's see. An intention. I think... I am working pretty hard and and need to continue to on Mm. um, this like decolonization concept that I mentioned. Um, But I think the intention is like figuring out how I can do that Mm -hmm. and 
still live in a capitalist society. Like I have to, I have to be able to eat. And I've been holding that and trying to figure out what that looks like for me, um, in a pretty active sense Mm -hmm. over the last couple of months. Um, probably since about, mm, I don't know y'all like January, maybe it's been the whole year. Um, (laughs) and I don't know that it's ever going to be like, a a fully finished thought, but just like being intentional about interrogating that and figuring out what that looks like for myself. So I'm still, Mm. still holding that. And that's something I'm definitely still being intentional on. Lead us. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been long overdue. We've been meaning to have this chat and catch up with each other for a really long time. So thank you for hopping through. Know that we love you so much and are so grateful for for you and for your friendship. Because, girl, listen. Listen, I just can't wait for the turn up when we can be together again. Oh, my gosh. I I can use some of that punch right now. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. gosh. All right, listeners. uh, Y'all know what we always say. Being self-aware means absolutely nothing if you are not willing to do the work. But we've got our shit, and so do you. But this is the place to clean your shit up. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.